What's up, friends? I'm Tara P, and you're listening to Positive Perspectives. Well, guys, how is it going? Just a little behind the scenes. I just recorded all my intro and listened back to it, and the audio was chopping in and out. So, oh, the joys of figuring this out day by day. But hope you guys are doing well and have had a great week. I've had a pretty good day. Maybe wouldn't classify it as a good week. Uh, This past week on Thursday, we actually had to put our dog down, unfortunately, and it really just came out of the blue and was so unexpected. And when I say our dog, it's technically our roommate's dog, but we've been living with him for the past four years, and since Rance and I are always home with him, it just, he feels like our dog, like Myla has always looked at that him as, that's her brother, and we take him on hikes and take him to his parents' house, and so... Yeah, it was just crazy, just like I said, because it was so sudden out of the blue. Um, On Wednesday, we noticed, actually it was on Tuesday, we noticed he was drooling a lot and was having this weird cough, and so our roommate took him into the vet on Wednesday, and at first they just thought he had pneumonia, but after they did a few more tests and had a specialist come in, they actually saw that he had a pretty massive tumor on his heart that just wasn't operable, and so it was really as I said, unexpected and tragic, but they were able to let him come home for a few hours and kind of let us say our goodbyes to him. And so, yeah, um, just really appreciative for the past four years of having him. I mean, if you guys have any pets, especially dogs that, you know, like we just, we don't deserve them and their unconditional love. And especially if you guys have a golden retriever or know someone that has a golden retriever, I've just honestly never met a breed of dogs that is so unconditionally loving. Like, all they want to do is please, and I swear they're, like, smiling, and so just he will always hold a special place in our heart. Yeah, but we're pushing through and uh, doing doing all right over here. rest of the weekend was pretty lame. I mean, we were able to just get a ton of household chores done, get the yard cleaned up since spring is coming. On Saturday, we actually went over to a friend's house and barbecued. So yeah, it was nice to feel productive, get some things done, but then also get uh, social hours with some friends. So don't have much more for you guys this week. Uh, Let's just kind of jump in. So for our episode this week, we have Dara Kurtz and we connected through social media And listening back to this episode, I just truly loved it. I felt like she really spoke from the heart and we just connected and it was so easy just to have a conversation with her. And if you guys read the title, you'll see it's, I named it, Finding the Courage to Make a Change. And that's kind of something that just focuses around her whole story. And I really loved how she touched on this because I feel like so often in life, We might need to make a change, whether it's with our career choices or relationship choices or personal choices, like whatever it may be. I think there's always this deep down gut feeling where we know that, you know, it's time, time to move on. Or sometimes you might feel like you need something to kind of push you to allow you to move on. And so that's just what I encourage you guys is to kind of just, if you ever feel something that's pulling on your heart, just take the time to get intentional because it's so easy when you get overcome with emotions or you get input from other people. But if you guys are just able to get clear with yourself and get clear, whatever it is that 
helps you clear your mind to go on a walk, to take a bath, to journal, just something that you can kind of process your thoughts. I think that really helps when you're kind of struggling, when you feel like you need to make a change, but you're not quite sure. So that is just something I love that she touched on that at the end of the day, you have to do what's going to be best for you and what's going to make you and your heart happiest at the end. So yeah, as I mentioned, I don't have much more. I'm really excited for this week's episode. So let's just get to it with our guest, Dara Kurtz. All right, everyone. So today I have Dara with me and how are you doing? Hi, I'm so happy to spend this time with you. Me too. I'm so excited. We are able to do this. We got all the technical difficulties out of the way, had some audio, but we're here ready to get started. And I'm just so excited to learn more about you. I was letting you know that I was checking out your website and really didn't know too much about you just because we connected through social media. But I'm just so excited to hear your story from you because I can tell you have a lot of knowledge that you've experienced through life. And so before we even get to like where you're at today, I always just like to go back to the beginning with our guests so I can get to know you better as well. So let's just kind of start from the beginning. And why don't you share about like where you grew up and who you kind of were as a kid? I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and I live in North Carolina now. And I grew up with uh, lots of extended family, lots of love, um, really close to my mom and Every Friday night, we went to my grandmother's house for dinner. So my grandparents were really involved in my life. And um, then I went to the college at the University of Alabama. And that's where I met my husband, John. And I always laugh and say, like, I majored in MRS. Um, <laughs> I, I was a finance major, but um, I always did want to be a writer and major in journalism. But I was really encouraged to be able to support myself and get a degree that would give me job security. And I was really good at banking and finance and all of that. So that's kind of what put me on the path of, and eventually being a financial advisor. And I did that for over 20 years. I have two daughters who are now 21 and 18. And, um, you know, based on a lot of the life experiences and things that we'll, I know we'll talk about, that's kind of what eventually led me to quit my job as a financial advisor and, and, and finally stand in my truth and follow my dreams. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's just so relatable, the story, the part of your story where you said you went off to college and maybe you had dreams or aspirations to do one thing, but that weight maybe wasn't necessarily where the money was or where it was going to set you up for what people might say, like a successful future of like being able to support yourself. And so when you went to college, was that kind of the advice you got was do something you can make money or how did that happen? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I remember my parents were like, I mean, so supportive. And I grew up with such loving, wonderful, close family, but it was also, I knew very important that I majored in something and got a, so that I would, the end goal was to get a job so that I could support myself. And um, meaning they never wanted me to be, feel like I was in a marriage, that I was in a situation where I couldn't support myself, that I, that my parents always taught me to be able to stand on your own two feet, be able to, you know, make your own money. So you're not dependent on anyone else. And so that theme kind of stuck in my head and I ended up going into banking. I worked as a, in a bank all the summers out of during college. And then after that, I ended up going into banking and, 
ended up being a financial advisor. And yeah, like on paper, I mean, and I was really good at it. And I'm a competitive person. I loved being in a situation where, you know, every week there was like a list of, you know, the people that hit their target goals for the week and the month. And, um, you know, I show, I really shined in that environment. It was um, stressful, but also very challenging and, and, and lucrative. I mean, if we, if we want to put success in quotations, um, I mean, I was very successful in that environment and that felt good. Totally. Yeah. And like you said, it just, it feels good and it motivates you every day to at least keep going, but it may not have been like your true passion. So was writing something you were able to at least do as like a hobby as you were growing your career or is that something that you put on the back burner? Yeah, no, I, um, I totally didn't write at all. Um, when I was growing up, I would always write stories. And when I first went to, I was, you know, in high school, like on the newspaper and always did that. And then when I went to college, I, as a freshman, I wrote for the school newspaper a little bit. And then it was just very obvious that I didn't have time to do that. And that was pretty much it. And I stopped writing. I didn't write anything at all until um, way after I finally got the courage to walk away from that and then really gave myself permission to start writing again and and yeah and and so let's slowly get into that so you said you had this very quote successful like career as a financial advisor and so when when you were like doing that did you have other dreams and aspirations um, besides being a financial advisor yeah so I remember I was taking a walk in my neighborhood and I literally was thinking to myself like I don't want to do this anymore this is not what I want to be doing, but something major is going to have to happen to get me to have the courage to walk away from it. Like I can even tell you where I was in my neighborhood when I was having that thought. And so um, basically I literally right after that, a couple of weeks after that, I out of the blue heard the words, you have breast cancer. And I was fine one day and then the next I wasn't. And I was 42 at the time. My kids were 11 and 14. And I mean, in like one moment, our whole entire life shifted and it was terrifying. I, um, I found it relatively early. I had so many good things going for me, but I also had to go through chemo and I had to have surgery and more surgery. And you know, it was just a terrifying time for me and for my kids. And um, I had lost my mom. She passed away a few weeks after I had my first daughter. And at the time I was, you know, this was 21 years ago. So I was like, so happy to have this new baby and be a new mom, but also just devastated at the loss of my mom. And I didn't really know what to do. I didn't have the skills to kind of navigate through that. And so I just tried to distract myself and I threw myself back into work. And so life had sort of gotten really busy and hectic. And then, you know, we just kind of, we fall into the patterns of living our lives. And so then when I went through breast cancer and everything kind of stopped, like I stopped going to work and I a lot of the feelings that I had had when I lost my mom sort of started to percolate, but I didn't really see it at that time. And so 
Um, it was just a really difficult time for me. But after going through that and getting to the other side, that's when I thought, you know what, I'm not going back. I'm done. I, I don't want to go back. This is the something major that had to happen. And I'm going to meet it. And I'm going to quit my job. And I'm going to follow my dreams. Yeah. Wow. And when you were pregnant with your first daughter and you had learned about your mother's um, sickness, did you have like a lot of support? Cause that's just, I mean, you're already going through like a new chapter in your life and just trying to learn about that can already be overwhelming, but then also trying to deal with the ending of another chapter. Like how did your life look like at that time? Yeah. My life, if I, if I look back now, I, was still working like hardcore, you know, still in the, that mindset of, you know, producing and working and doing all that. And every weekend, my husband and I would drive from North Carolina to Virginia. And we would almost every weekend stay with my parents and, you know, try to support my mom and um, just be there. And it was a, it was a really interesting time. I didn't spend a lot of time with my friends at all that during that period, because I was either at work working really hard or going to Richmond. And I didn't think about being pregnant that much, to be honest with you. It, it forced me to take care of myself. So like, I knew that I had to eat, I had to take care of my body because there was a baby inside. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was all, I was so focused on my mom, like the whole time. And, you know, what we could do to try to help her get through it and get to the other side. And we, we had so much hope and I don't think my family ever really sat down and said, you know, she's not going to be okay. Like we never had that conversation ever. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were in denial, a good part of it. And my mom was just so hopeful and so, um, she had such a spirit about her that it was easy to want to sign on to that and believe that everything was going to be okay. Yeah, which I mean, when you are going through tough situations, I feel like that's almost the mindset you have to adopt and yeah, you not have to play to win. Exactly, exactly. You can't just think of dwell about all like this could be the last. And so how fortunate you guys are that you were able to go up there on the weekends and spend those weeks with her, not, not even knowing that like, oh, we should do this because this might be the last, just doing it because you wanted to be there like with your mom and you knew that was important to be with your family. Yeah, and it was a distraction for them and a distraction for us. And we felt like we were doing something. And I mean, then there were a lot of times that as time progressed that she would be, she was sick. We would go up and she would be sick or she even was hospitalized a couple times when we were there. But even when that happened, we would say like, oh, she's um, dehydrated and that's what's going on. Like we didn't really ever have that conversation of this is not getting better and it is progressing and she's getting worse. Um, so there was a lot of denial there for sure. And I feel like, you know, everyone probably did their best to sort of protect me as well because I was pregnant and, um, you know, it was hard. So hard. Yeah. Just going through that, like, I don't know if there necessarily is like a right or wrong way, but do you think having like the mindset of like being denial made it easier or harder when it kind of came out of the blue? I think for me in that season of my life, it was the best that I did the best that I could. Mm -hmm. um, I do have some regrets 
in terms of like when I look back now and I think, oh, I wish I had handled the situation better or I wish I had had these conversations with my mom or, you know, I wish I had asked her blah, blah, blah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just have to give myself some grace and realize that I did the best I could at the time and it's enough. It has to be enough. And so um, I've done a lot of work on myself and, you know, let go of a lot of that, the guilt, right? Like um, all of those things, but that doesn't serve, that doesn't serve any of us well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and as I said, you guys really are so fortunate that you were still able to spend those weekends with her that you got. Um, And so after you said you had your kids and you just were, were very consumed with your life and quote, being successful. And then you had that pivotal moment of being on that walk. And I always think those kind of stories are so crazy that you remember like how you felt that day. Like you said, exactly where you were, like if there was a car that passed you and it's just crazy that the memory picks up on those and how significant they are. Um, And so, like you said, you wanted a change, but almost needed like a push in that direction for the change. And so like, that's not the push anyone would want, but it was at least a push to get you to go in that direction. Would you say? Yeah, I I think um, no one would ever wish a cancer diagnosis. I mean, I would never wish that on anyone. And I wish that I hadn't had to go through that. Um, But I think that's why, like at the end of it, when the doctor said, you know, okay, Dara, it's time to go back to the business of living your life. You know, you're, we've done everything and, you know, we're going to, you're going to have checkups with us, you know, I'm going to stay being monitored, blah, blah, blah. Um, But go back to living your life. Like it's time. And I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what that looked like anymore because I had changed so much. And also I had a lot of fear. I think once you go through like a cancer diagnosis or any serious health situation, you, you have to learn how to live knowing that that happened to you. And you have to learn how to trust that everything's going to be okay. And that's, that's a really hard process for anyone to go through. But um, I realized that I didn't want to go back to the way things were, because I felt like if I didn't seize this moment, this opportunity, then I was just going to get swept up into, you know, living the life that I had before. And I, I wanted to use the experience as finding the courage to make that change. And and I remembered, you know, that conversation that I had on that walk that day and it kept kind of coming up. And so, yeah, I remember saying to my husband, I'm like, I'm not going back. (laughs) Um, You know, that ship has sailed and, and I'm ready to, I want to start writing and I have no idea what that looks like. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And um, there was a little resistance there at first, but then, and, and it was hard for me to even walk away from that job. But finally, once I did, and, you know, I have nothing but gratitude for the path that I'm on now. And I recognize that I wouldn't be on it if I hadn't gone through what I went through. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, just why I wanted to start this podcast is because I feel like so many times in life, we all go through different experiences that we don't ask for and we might not understand in the moment, but with time and perspective, you might be able to appreciate it a little more. And it sounds like when you had that kind of conversation with your husband, 
you almost were wanting to like redefine success for you. You're like, look, I've achieved success in the business world. Like I've done that, but like, I'm not fulfilled. Like I'm not successful in like my enjoyment of life. And so that is absolutely a scary time to give up everything you've learned for your entire life, the stability of everything that it brought you to go achieve this crazy dream of just living and chasing anything your heart desires. And so is that something I mean, you said that it was brought with like a little bit of like questions and but eventually you were able to get there. So was your family, daughters and everything like, let's yeah. do this. So um, I love that you said that. Um, first of all, I do believe now that success is something that we have to give ourselves permission to define for ourselves. And I did not ever think that before. So um, society likes to measure things and success is one of them. And how does society do that? We all know based on dollar signs and sizes of our office and our titles and our, you know, bank accounts, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I think that for everyone listening, I just really encourage you to take a moment to define success for yourself and, you know, recognize if you are living someone else's definition of success, you actually can do something about it. it it's, it's scary and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen overnight, but I do believe you can weave in whatever that looks like and make it, you know, make the world that you have now and the world that maybe you want to kind of come together. There's so many different ways you can do that. But yeah, yeah when I finally, when I did quit my job, it, it took a little while for, um, I remember my dad was visiting and we're super close. And I remember he was like, Dara, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> are you sure you want to walk away? Because the reality of it was once I walked away, um, I mean, once I gave up, all of it, it was gone. And you have to be registered and you have to be um, working like under an umbrella of a corporation in order to keep your licenses and you know, blah, blah, blah. And once those licenses were gone, they were gone. Like I would never go through that again. Um, but I just, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm ready to do it. I want to do it. And I have no idea what that looks like. And also like, I recognize that I was probably never going to be able to make the amount of money that I made before. Um, and I do see and recognize like how grateful I am that my husband has a job. And so like, you know, I don't take that for granted that I know that I had that security there. So um, I do recognize that, but um, it was scary. Yeah. Even with that security, it doesn't make it any less scary to, like I said, give up everything and and chase your dreams. And so what did, I know you said you did want to start writing, but what else did you define your version of success and what did you want to do at that point? Yeah. So I just, I started my blog, Crazy Perfect Life. I had no idea what I was doing. I, you know, we were on spring break and I had a bunch of names and my family voted and we all like the name Crazy Perfect Life. And that's how that started. And I just started writing and being really honest in my writing. And not trying to pretend and I just wanted to be real and people liked it and it resonated with people and I was learning to find my voice and and that felt really good and I was working really hard I was sending um I was sending a new blog post out every day and I when I look back on that now I'm like I cannot even believe that I did that but I was doing it every day and I was messing with the, figuring out the pictures and all the technology mess about all that. Cause I'd always had an assistant who helped me do all that. And, you know, it was just me. Um, 
and so I, I was working really hard. I wasn't making any money at all. And in fact, I was spending money because, you know, you have to pay to have your blog and your website and blah, blah, blah. But I was having a lot of fun and I was, I was figuring out a lot of things. And so I, you know, I look back on that and I'm so grateful for that time. Yeah. And you probably just had like a different kind of happiness in yourself that maybe you hadn't felt in a while. And I love the title, My Crazy Perfect Life, because I think it really just does identify like that you're going to be real and honest that, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like the the title for me was kind of like, okay, life is crazy and hectic and messy and all the things can come up. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's life. And that is the biggest gift for all of us. And that just the fact that we're alive makes it perfect. And exactly. that's, that's kind of how I came up with it. But um, yeah, I mean, I remember my kids were like, mommy's working really hard. And, you know, they, they were surprised because they were used to seeing me go to go, go to work. They had no idea really what I did. And, you know, they'd be like, mommy's working really hard. Or my husband started recognizing like, you have a really good work ethic and you're working so hard. And I know you're, you're not making any money, but you're helping, you know, I started help, you know, it felt really good to help people and start connecting with people and hear from people that, what I was writing was helping them. And that's really when the magic started to happen. Yeah. It's amazing what happens when you can be driven by just like the enjoyment and the passion of helping others. And so I think it's also amazing that when you went through this, you were just like, I'm going to figure this out on my own. I'm not, I don't have a team. I'm just going to use the internet and just make it work. And so is that how you did it? Which just kind of Googling things and figuring out how to create a blog? Yeah. So I ended up meeting a bunch of people online on Facebook. um, And I connected with a lot of people that had started their pages or their blogs or, and, and we, there was a private Facebook group and we were able to connect and I learned so much from them and I was able to ask questions and everyone was very helpful and respectful and that's really how I grew my Facebook following as well is just um, I had like shared relationships with over 30 different pages from around the world and I would share their stuff and they would share my stuff in their Facebook feed and we would learn from each other and it was just a really fun, beautiful time. And um, the algorithms were different on Facebook back then. So you were able to really, you know, see the benefits of all of your work. And, and so it was fun. Yeah. And it helps to have a community that's like kind of doing it with you and to bounce yeah, ideas exactly. off each other. Totally. So I didn't feel alone at all. I mean, in fact, I would have deep conversations with people that I've never met. And that was amazing. You know, I felt like I got to know some of those people better than some of the people that I've known for 20 years that I've never had like that kind of conversation with. So honestly, and that's just how this podcast is just connecting with people around the world and the fact that they open up. I'm always so blown away, just and inspired. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I hope they realize, but I'm like, you are literally like changing lives just by sharing your story and you don't know who's listening and who your story is going to impact. So I'm always just so appreciative and grateful that people are talking about these things. Cause I think that's how it helps people feel less alone in life is to just talk about them with each other and to relate to each other and, and be there for people when they're going through different struggles. And I love so- that because, you know, 
for so long, I pretended like everything was fine, that I was fine. Like I lost my mom and I was actually devastated and I wasn't fine, but I, I just, I, I learned to like, just pretend like everything was okay. But at the end of the day, like when we really give ourselves permission to kind of talk about our real feelings and say like, okay, I wasn't okay. Um, and recognize that other people listening are, we all go through things. So that's just part of life. We can really learn so much from one another. Yes, absolutely. And so when did you take um, my crazy perfect life from a blog and want to do more with it? Yeah. So um, after I started crazy perfect life, I'd always wanted to write a book. And so then I started writing and I wrote crush cancer, which is my first book. And I did a workbook with that. And I started doing tons and tons of speaking after that. I would speak at a lot of events or conferences and I started leading workshops and just kind of finding my voice, you know, figuring it all out. I've always been someone that loves connection and connecting people. I mean, I love people. I love being around people. And so I really enjoyed that. And um, then I was working on another project when I just a random thing happened to me, which caused me to start writing I Am My Mother's Daughter, which recently came out. So, um, you know, we just never know what life is going to toss our way. Yeah. And how each one of the decisions that you make kind of led you to the path that you're on yeah, today. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Do you want me to tell you what happened? Like how that came about? Yeah. Okay. So, um, when my daughters were really young, I kept journals with them and we call them like the mommy daughter journal. And I would write to them and I would put it on their pillow and they would write to me and they would put the journal back on my pillow. And I had one for each of them and there were no rules. And it was just a really beautiful way for like us to kind of work out stuff or be to boost their self-esteem or, you know, it was just fun. And then my oldest daughter was about to go back to college and she was in my room and I was trying to kind of, I don't like to say goodbye. So I was sort of trying to put it off and she opened up one of the drawers and she found the mommy daughter journal that we had kept in one of my random drawers in my night table. And so she opened it up and we started reading it. We were like holding hands. We were like jumping up and down. We were just like, so happy. This is so fun to hear like, the voice of little Zoe and you know, all that. So she ended up going back to school. And later on that night, I was thinking like, gosh, I wish I had something like that from my mom, something where I could hear her voice and gain her wisdom. And that's when I remembered that I had a bag of letters in my house and the bag contained letters that were written to me the first time I went to sleepaway camp at age nine until I graduated from college. And most of the letters were written by my mom and my two grandmothers. And all of those, the three strong women who had loved and raised me had passed away. And so I remember walking into my den and opening it up. And this bag had gotten into that drawer because when my dad got remarried, he and my stepmother cleaned out everything and ended up bringing that here. But I never wanted to open the bag. I just kind of stuffed it at the back of a drawer because I didn't want to deal with all, I felt like it was going to really bring back a lot of sadness for me. And so I remember opening that drawer and seeing the bag and then shutting it and thinking like, I'm not, I can't deal with this. I don't want to deal with this, but it kept kind of staying with me. And 
a little bit, like a little time went by. And then one night I just was like, you know what? I want to know what this letter say. I want to hear my mom's voice. And so I went and I opened that bag and I was blown away by how relevant they were and how much wisdom they contained. I felt like I could hear my mom's voice. I could feel her personality. And I was getting a glimpse into who she was when she was raising her kids. And I was able to like get to know her from a completely different perspective. And so I sat on the couch sobbing, having what Oprah calls the ugly cry, like literally sobbing. And after that, I could not shake like how much wisdom there was. And I just felt like there was a book there. So I sat in this room behind me, had hundreds of letters. There was over a hundred letters. They were scattered all over the table. And I just started writing and um, I had, didn't have an outline. I had no idea what I was doing. And I literally just started writing from my heart. And I'm so proud of I Am My Mother's Daughter because it's all about life and loss and um, you know, all the things. Wow. That, that whole story just gave me chills from the fact that <laughs> you did the mother daughter journal and then like finding those notes just because I think like writing a handwritten letter is such a lost art. And so the fact that you had those and I mean, have those and will be able to keep those for the rest of your life. And then, like you said, be able to understand your mom and like a different, with like a different perspective and like at a totally different time and be like, wow, like you're probably at like maybe a point that you, she was writing some of those letters and you're just like, I can yeah. see like your thought process. Yeah. It was amazing to get to see her thought process because, you know, I never got to ask my mom those questions that you don't think about asking until you become a mom. And so I never got to have any of those conversations or I didn't have that kind of relationship with my mom where we had like she had a granddaughter and it was my daughter and we would just like share about things that she remembered. And I just, you know, I really had always missed that so much. And so it was the biggest gift that I could have gotten to be able to, to dig that bag up and, and have the courage to read the letters. And, um, I do believe that there's something really important and special about, writing a handwritten letter. Um, the experience taught me that there's actually three different kinds of letters and, you know, how to go about writing them and when to write them. But to everyone listening, like don't discount the power of the handwritten letter because it is incredibly meaningful. Three different kinds of letters. There's this, the just because letter, which is what most of them were. My mom was just writing me a letter just because, and that's really where I got to know her the best because she was just writing about her life, like what she was doing in a day to day. Um, then there's the special occasion letter, which is written when I turned 16 or when I graduated from college or when I got married, you know, all of those special occasions. And then the person puts a little bit more intention into that because they want you to know like why they're proud of you or what they hope for you, what their dreams are. And then there's the legacy letter. And that's the letter that's written when the person passes away. And the morning of my mom's funeral, my dad came into my room and said, um, I have a letter for you that your mom wrote you. And there was one for my brother and one for my dad as well. And so, you know, that just showed me like that my mom actually did think she was going to die. And 
it was so, it's such a beautiful gesture when someone writes a legacy letter. And it taught me that it's really important to write a legacy letter when you're not sick and when you don't think you're going to die, because then you can actually have a lot of intention around that. And I share a lot about that in the book, like how to do it and prompts, because my mom wrote that when she was very, very sick. And I am so grateful to have that letter and that she did that. But I also recognized that she wasn't able to say a lot of things to me because she was just so sick when she wrote it. Yeah. So um, anyway, write a letter. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have never heard the term legacy letter. Um, I think that is amazing. And again, at least that you got a little piece of it. And so I think that is awesome. Yeah, um, it is. And I share that in the book. I put the letter, I mean, I share a lot in the book, but um, I, I think that it's really when you take the time to write a legacy letter, I mean, you do want to put intention and thought into it because it's the last thing that you're ever going to say to the people that you love and care about the most. And um, there's just some really beautiful ways that you can do that. Yeah. And so getting into your book a little more that I am your mother's daughter, what kind of perspective is it written from? It's written from my perspective of you know, what it felt like to lose my mom. And I, I talk a lot about grief and how to go through the process of losing someone that you love and how you can help yourself and um, <clears throat> why it's so important to work through that because life is precious. And every day that we're alive is such a gift. And grief followed me around like my shadow for so long. And it's because I didn't want to acknowledge it. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to deal with it because it hurt. It was painful. I missed my mom so much and I still miss her every day, but there's a way that you can learn to miss the people that you loved and lost and still give yourself permission to be happy. And, you know, I think I didn't mean for the book to talk a lot about that, but it does. Yeah. And I'm sure that's just helping people that are going through loss. Like you said, sometimes you just need that outside permission to let you know that like, it is okay to have a bad day or it's okay to grieve like extra hard, like on when you think like you have gotten through that period, like everything is going to come and go and like a roller coaster. Yeah. And, you know, especially right now with COVID, I mean, I think there's so many people that are in the space where they're, they've lost people that they loved and they have a lot of guilt about it even, and, or they don't know what to do with, with those feelings. And I mean, obviously when I wrote this book, I had no idea that COVID was even going to happen. Um, and my book tour has basically been virtual because of COVID, but I'm so grateful that it's here now and helping people that are navigating this hard and difficult path, but you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. And that is what really I feel like helps people get through is just having that sense of community around you. And so being able to create that and offer that is amazing. And so your book came out in September of 2020, correct? Yes. Awesome. And so you said you're doing like a virtual book tour? Yeah. I mean, all this basically like all of my live events were canceled. Of course we're canceled. And um, I'm, I've ta I'm taking COVID very seriously. My family has, because I mean, I think I would never want to be the cause of someone else getting sick. But also I think when you've gone through a health situation yourself, I just value my health so much. And so I would, I just 
have been really, really careful. And um, sometimes it hasn't always been easy when my daughters were home for them to, you know, understand or follow what, you know, some of the rules and stipulations. But um, we've had overall, I think, a really fun family time, even though it's, it has been stressful, I think, for probably everyone listening to this. It's just been a really hard time for all of us. But yeah, so all my events were canceled, but I've been doing so many Zooms, um, which has been great because I feel like I've been able to connect with people that I never would have traveled to go to. So if you're listening to this and you are looking for a speaker, reach out to me, um, go to my website, Crazy Perfect Life, because we're doing that, having so much fun. And um, really, if I can make it work with my time, I'm pretty much saying yes to everything because why wouldn't I? I'm not yeah. traveling. Yeah. Exactly. And you just, you don't know who it's going to touch just by sharing. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, the best part about Zoom is you can literally get out to everyone. So yeah, that's awesome. And so what do you have planned for the future with this book or any future goals? So I am, I'm writing a fiction book right now. I've always wanted to write a fiction book. And so I started it and I'm having a lot of fun working on that. I am um, the happiest version of myself when I have a writing project going on. And so I've learned that about myself. So I'm doing that. I'm doing tons of speaking, lots of podcasts. I'm not really sure what, I'm not really sure what life is going to exactly look like after COVID because I don't know when I'll be able to do in-person events or, um, you know, I just feel like there's a lot of uncertainty around that, but I'm just trying to kind of flow with it and have fun and, and, you know, do what I can to help people from a distance. And I, I feel like it's okay to not have everything figured out. I've kind of learned that life is so much more fun when you are just kind of like, I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I'm just trusting that whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. And it's, a, it's enough. Yes. And like you said, focusing on like what makes you happy. Like, I love how you said that the happiest version of yourself is when you're writing. And so that's just what you want to do. Not, not necessarily with this huge end goal of just like right now, like I don't need to create like my timeline or anything. I just want to be happy and just to write. And I think that's where you get the most genuine work for people to truly like relate to you. Yeah. I love that you said that. I mean, when the pandemic first hit, I was spending so much time focused on, I am my mother's daughter, of course, and writing articles for just like, I think I wrote like 15 different articles for 15 different publications. And that takes a lot of time. And I was doing podcast interviews like all the time. And I have so much fun doing podcast interviews because, you know, I love people and connecting, but um, I wasn't writing like, I wasn't working on like a creative project and I really could tell that in my heart that I was like missing that. And so, um, finally one day I realized like, I'm going to carve out a little bit of time every day, even if it's just like 30 minutes or two hours, whatever, to kind of stay on the path of bringing in that creative outlet because it feeds my soul. Like I am the happiest version of myself when I'm like doing that and in that flow but I had to kind of be a little bit intentional about building that time in, especially like when with the pandemic and all the people are in my house, my family, and there's so many meals. And, <laughs> you know, I felt like I literally felt like, and I, I know a lot of people might be able to relate to this, like 
I was do, I felt, and I still feel like this, like, you know, you make a meal and then you clean up the meal and then you do the dishes and then you make another meal and then you clean up the meal. I mean, that's a lot of time in itself. (laughs) Literally. Yes. But like you said, you have to just maybe make it like a priority just to like carve out that extra me time and make it intentional because it's so easy to get wrapped up in just the day-to-day life and the routine of just trying to get the next thing done, but really making it a priority, whatever time makes sense to you, I think is something we all could try to do and get better at. I love that you said that. I mean, I think living with intention is so important and I actually challenge like everyone listening to this podcast to think about what is it that you really want to be doing with your life and come up with like one intention that you can bring into your life. Even if it's like, I want to start meditating and I'm going to commit to meditating like for three minutes every day, or I want to start exercising more. I want to eat better, or I want to do this creative product project, whatever it is. If we're not intentional about it, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just starting small with those goals. I mean, it's great to have the big goals, but don't get yourself overwhelmed with them. Like you said, just commit to three minutes a day, five minutes a day, like whatever it is that you can find that little time to carve out and then you can grow and build upon it. Well, thank you so much, Dara. I really appreciate you just coming on and sharing your story and opening up. Like I said, I just I can tell that you are just so real and authentic. And I just think that's the way that other people are going to feel comfortable with whatever they're going through and learn through others and not feel like they have to take on the weight of the world on their own shoulders. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just doing the best we can with the hand we were dealt. And we have a choice when we wake up every day, like how we're going to kind of navigate through that. And our attitude definitely plays such an important role in that. Um, But I feel like if we're not honest and real about what we're going through, then what's, what can we learn from it that can help other people? And so that's why I try to be as transparent as possible, because I just want, hopefully someone listening to this will feel maybe not as alone. Yeah. I love that. Well, moving on to the countdown question game, the three, two, one. What would you say are maybe three of some of the biggest lessons or takeaways that you have learned through your life story? Um, I would say my three biggest lessons are one, two, it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to have days where you feel sad or alone, or you don't know all the answers. And it's okay to you don't have to pretend like you're perfect. You don't have to pretend like everything's fine when it's not fine. Um, Then I would say to, I've learned that I can listen to the little voice inside myself that actually knows what I truly want. And I can, I can, I can help myself go after my dreams and nobody's going to go after my dreams, but me. And so if I don't give myself the permission to do that or make it a priority, it's not going to happen. And then I, I would say that happiness is our human right. I do believe that. And everyone listening to this like has the, the ability to be joyful and to feel happy every single, maybe not every single day, but overall. And so we have to create that for ourselves. You know, that saying like happiness must be grown in one's own garden. So, um, you know, figure out how you can grow your own happiness and then go out and grow it. (laughs) Yes. We 
have so much more power, I feel like, than we can give ourselves credit for. And we are so responsible for a lot of things that happen in our life based on the choices that we make every single day. And so just allowing and knowing that you do have the power and the choice to create your own happiness, I think is really a great message. Can I say one more? Cause this just came to me. Yep. <laughs> um, but you know, for a long time, I felt like I was a victim. I was a victim. You know, I lost my mom when I was young and I was really sad about that. And then I went through breast cancer and I just felt like, you know, I'm, I, why are all these bad things happening to me? Like I felt like a victim. And the thing is, is that bad things are going to happen to everyone. And I wasn't a victim. And when I stayed in that space and felt that way, I was just like, I wasn't helping myself get through it. And so, you know, I think that's really important to understand as well, that this is a polarity planet and we experience really joyful moments, but we also experience hard moments and that's just part of it. Yep. Yep. That's amazing. Uh, two truths and a lie. So do you want to start off with your two truths and a lie? Okay. All right. I love games. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to say three things and then you're going to tell me which one is the lie. Okay. okay. And this is in no order. Okay. I have traveled to every city in the United States. I spent five weeks living in Europe with my two kids and my husband. I have not hugged my dad in a year. Ooh. I'm going to say the lie is the first one just because that sounds extremely difficult. <laughs> that was the lie. Yay. You won. <laughs> I have not traveled to every city in the United States. That is correct. You get a gold star. <laughs> Yay. Well, uh, what part of Europe did you guys live in? Um, we just traveled all over Europe for five oh. weeks. Like literally my husband went on a sabbatical and um, we took our daughters and we literally like had the best time um, staying in hotels and doing all the things for five weeks. Oh my gosh. That sounds incredible. And we're like, we're so glad we did it because we did it a few years before COVID and we were just like, oh my God, we're so grateful that we got to have that adventure. Yes. Oh, even more so now I'm sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but we went to like Prague and Switzerland and, um, France and, um, Germany and let's see, Amsterdam. And I can't even remember all the places, but it was incredible. How awesome too, that you could like give that gift to your children to like experience that at a young age too. Yes. And now they have the travel bug. <laughs> totally. Okay. So my two truths and a lie, cause I'm going to play with you. So in no particular order, <laughs> um, I love to jet ski. I studied communications in college and because you live in North Carolina, um, if it was between Duke and UNC, I'd pick Duke. Okay. I am going to hope that your lie is I would pick Duke instead of UNC. It's not, but when she said your <laughs> husband went there, I was like, uh-oh. That's so funny. That's okay. The Duke, uh, the Duke Carolina, um, the rivalry goes deep. Yes. Um, all right. <laughs> the lie so, was um, that I studied communications. I studied social work and business. And oh, wow. Okay. I thought for sure that that was going to be your truth. <laughs> you know, we're doing this and it's, I love that. So that yet another example of how 
just because you major in something doesn't necessarily mean that that's the path that you have to stay on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this was just a a passion project that I just wanted to like get a message out to the world. And it's been better than I had even envisioned. So it's been really fun. Amazing. Yeah. Well, the final question, what is one positivity act that you can challenge yourself or others to do this week? I would say right now, since we talked about writing letters, uh, write someone you love a letter. Just write, you know, today, whoever's listening, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen. If you can't stomach that, then type it on the computer, but print it out and send it through the mail and let someone know how you feel about them. Take the time to tell the people that you love and care about how, why you love them, how much you miss them. And I promise you that someone going to the mailbox on the receiving end of that and not expecting to have a letter, a fun letter in the mailbox, they will, you will make their day and they will reach out to you and they will, they will tell you that. Yes, I totally agree. Like you said, it's just a lost art. And so if anyone were to go check the mail, they'd be like, what is this? Like, where did this come from? So yeah, it's the best. And you then you have to write letters to get letters. So you'll get letters, you'll start getting letters too. And it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dara. Like I said, just for coming on and sharing your story and just being so open. And if people wanted to reach out either ask questions or find your new book, I Am Your Mother's Daughter, where could they do that? Yeah, so anyone can go to my website, crazyperfectlife.com. There's links. You can get my book from that website. Of course, it's on Amazon as well. I have five free gifts that I'm giving to everyone who purchases my book, and you can get those free gifts at my website. I'm also on Facebook at Crazy Perfect Life and on Instagram at Crazy Perf Life. And I'm on Clubhouse now. Ah. <laughs> um, Dara Kurtz. So, um, and they can email me at Dara at crazyperfectlife.com if they have any questions or want me to come speak to their group. Amazing. So many options. So regardless of where you guys are at on the internet, you will absolutely be able to go find her. So thank you again, Dara. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Are you guys ready for the positive perspective of the week? So for this week's positive perspective, I was chatting with Rance before recording this and just asking him, do you have any suggestions, anything happened this week that you can find the positive perspective on? And he first mentioned, he was like, Hunter. And I was like, Rance, it is too soon to try and find a positive perspective over that. Like he just passed last week and he was like, what do you mean too soon? He was like, Hunter just was the epitome of unconditional love. And that was just like when it kind of like clicked and hit me. I was like, yes, there are situations that you might need time to kind of find the positive perspective, but that doesn't have to be every situation. We are allowed to change the narrative around how we feel about something whenever we want. And so Rance was just saying that Hunter truly showed us the definition of unconditional love. Now, I love my little dog, Mila, but if you've met her, she can be a little beezy sometimes, but not Hunter. He was just the sweetest dog to every single person he came in contact with, every single dog, every single animal. He would just get so excited, and all he wanted to do was just to please and to love on and to be loved on, and so that is my positive perspective of the week is I am just so grateful for Hunter's life to really show me what unconditional love can mean in a dog because it's something that 
you might feel from your own, you know, personal dog because you have that bond. But this was the first time I had truly felt it from a dog that I didn't know as a puppy. I didn't grow up with that. I kind of entered into his life as he was two years old and he immediately just, yeah, just wanted to love. And I think if we could all love a little bit more like Hunter, it would just make the world a more positive place. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Positive Perspectives. And remember guys to keep spreading positivity because I truly think it's contagious. Love you guys. Hey friends, thanks so much for sticking around and listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you enjoyed, what topics you'd like to hear, and it would really mean a lot to me. Episodes will be released every Wednesday, and you guys can also find me on Instagram at Positive Perspectives Podcast. Thanks guys, and tune in next week for another dose of positivity.